The Creative Mornings Charlotte podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Creative Morning Charlotte podcast. Today's show features hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin speaking with Charlotte City Council members Larkin Eggleston, Dimple Ajmera, and Braxton Winston immediately following the February 1st Creative Morning Charlotte event at Lake Point Corporate Center where Larkin, Dimple, Braxton, and Tarek Scott Bakari, who could not join us for the podcast, spoke about the global theme of symmetry. Despite each of them being in their first term as Charlotte City Council members, Larkin, Dimple, and Braxton have come together to form a newer and younger iteration of the city's most powerful governing body. The diversity of backgrounds is also apparent. Larkin represents a distribution company and has served on many local boards. Dimple is not only an accomplished financial professional, but also an immigrant, the first Asian American, and youngest woman to ever serve on council. And finally, Braxton rode a wave of momentum from his political activism shown during the Keith Lamont Scott protests in 2016 to an at-large seat on the council the very next year. In this episode of the Creative Morning Charlotte podcast, Larkin, Dimple, and Braxton talk about the most important issues facing the city, what made them want to run for city council, and try to guess what Charlotte newspaper headlines from 1919 are real. Register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event Friday, March 8th at 8.30 a.m. at Noda Brewing Company. The featured speaker will be local artist Jessica Moss and her father speaking about the global theme of water. RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, March 4th. Now, before we hear from Larkin, Dimple, and Braxton, both Matt and Tim talked to Chris Cole, Director of Philanthropy Operations for the Levine Museum, of the New South. Let's take a listen. This podcast is a proud part of the Queen City Podcast Network. We're made possible by generous donations from Ray Ward and Crescent Communities, and we're powered by Ortho Carolina. Together, they remind us all that Charlotte is creative. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Uh, hey, y'all. This is Matt Olin. Hi, this is Tim Miner. Welcome to the Char- Charlotte is Creative. Oh, no. This is, this the, is, this is the Charlotte welcome. is Creative podcast. Oh, I thought this was the Creative Morning Charlotte podcast. You missed podcast. the branding meeting. Yeah, no kidding. You didn't get the memo, did you? <laughs> no, I did not get the memo on this. You know, we are using covers on TPS reports now, so I, if you could just go ahead and do that. Well, we are very excited to have here at the podcast bar the one, the only Chris Cole... Director of Philanthropic Operations. Did I say that right? Pretty close, yeah. Close Phil- enough. Philanthropy Operations? Philanthropy Operations. Ah, Director of Philanthropy Operations from the Levine Museum of the New South. And the Levine Museum is also, we're very excited to announce, one of our new HUG grant sponsors. So thank you for being a part of that initiative. Well, thank you for having us. And it's a great initiative. We're really proud to be a part of it. Thank you. And and if, if you're hearing this and you're not quite sure what HUG grant is yet, HUG stands for Helpful Unfettered Gift. They are $250 strings-free micro grants that we give to Charlotte creatives all over the city. And so the $1,000 that the, the Levine Museum graciously gave us will go to fund four Hug projects. I mean, that's just amazing. Thank you. I mean, for what I really love is that a museum that's dedicated to the studying of and the the preservation of Charlotte's past 
um, is also investing in its future. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. And and to that end, uh, Chris, if you would just give us a 30 to 45 second pitch, the elevator pitch mm-hmm. on what the Levine Museum of the New South is, when it was founded, and what your mission is. Sure. Well, um, Levine Museum was founded in 1991, initially as a museum without walls. So we had exhibits that were just set up throughout the city. And I think you're going to see in the coming months that we're moving back towards that. We've already done a few pop-up exhibits at local libraries. Currently, we have one at Sugar Creek Library that's talking about uh, different neighborhoods. We have an exhibit that's opening in in uh, February at the end of the month. Oh, it's February now. So February it's the one. end of this Happy month. Happy Yes, on uh, February 27th called Home CLT, where we'll talk about different challenges throughout the city. We like to use history to sort of ground understanding of difficult topics and conversations um, throughout Charlotte. So we are a history museum, but we're a little bit more than that. You know, we use history to help everyone understand all the complex issues that we're dealing with right now. Well, I can tell you that Matt and I have experienced that firsthand when we have a huge regard for for the museum and what you do uh, when we were starting queen city quiz show tom hanchett right was uh you know obviously he was the first person that we turned to and and what i appreciated beyond his knowledge was that he was very willing and excited to approach charlotte's history in a new way um and then uh, brenda tyndall who we sorely miss um, was our moderator for the entire first year run of, of quiz show yeah, and she was. we God, we miss her so we miss she was, her she was, so she's, much she's you, awesome she's we love Brenda so you do the 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 Levine Museum has this wonderful commitment to to looking at at programming beyond the walls and, and in new ways and so it's it, you've been amazing creative collaborators and what we're here to talk about today though is um, is right. taste of the new taste south of the new south so Chris mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about this fundraiser for sure. Levine Museum of the New South called Taste of the New South. Well, Taste of the New South, this is our 18th year doing Taste of the New South, and for the last 17 years, we've done Taste as a huge party in the museum. We've transformed the museum into a completely different party space. Um, But this year, you know, we looked back on it and we said, we get a great crowd at Taste. We have awesome food and great um, uh, drinks and entertainment and whatnot, but you could leave our uh, fundraiser and never even know what Levine Museum of the New South is about. So we're switching it up this year. We're going to hold the event at the Fillmore on March 6th. We have contracted with uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Jose Antonio Vargas. He's going to come and talk to us about what it's like being an undocumented citizen in America, especially during this time. It's a very timely topic. And then after we hear from him, um, we're still going to party with Best Impressions Caterers, who I personally feel like is the very best caterer in town. Um, and so we'll still have all the, the food and the fun that everybody's used to for the last 17 years of taste. We're just mixing it up and, and bringing it back down and sort of grounding it in the foundation of our mission. Well, that sounds like an incredible evening, right? Like fun, but also rich, like learning about uh, the realities of what's going on in our communities these days. So um, we're we're thrilled that you came and chatted with the Creative Morning Charlotte 
um, audience about it this morning uh, during the 30-second pitches, and that you're on the podcast telling us about it. So, so I'm hungry. So how do I get yeah. tickets? Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I do not want to miss this. So how, no, how no, you definitely don't. So tickets are on sale now on our website at uh, museumofthenewsouth.org slash taste2019. Um, and we will be selling tickets right up until Jose takes the stage. Um, we will have some Filipino food represented. I know uh, Jose Antonio Vargas is from is Filipino, and um, so we're really excited to see what Best Impressions does with that creative uh, catering. And um, it'll be a fun time. Like it's going to be definitely That's the place awesome. to be on March sixth. And you know what? I, one last thing I want to <laughs> applaud you. I mean. When you think about the history of the South, um, I don't think enough credit gets put towards how the South's future has been shaped by people coming here from all over the world. Charlotte has an incredible international community, um, and and it, I, one of the best ways to start that process of getting to know others is, is with food and fellowship. And so, just I, I, again, I really admire the depth of and the and the different types of programming that you guys put on. So, well, thank you so. I much. didn't eat this morning. That was a problem. <laughs> I'm extremely hungry now, and uh, I'm going to the website to buy my tickets. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. Right. Well, we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, thank Chris. you so much, Chris Cole, Director of Philanthropy Operations at the Levine Museum of the New South. Thanks again. Good luck with the event. Thanks. That's All right. All right. All right, folks. We just wrapped the February Creative Mornings Charlotte event with four sitting city council members, Dimple Ajmira, Tark Bakari, Larkin Eggleston, and Braxton Winston. And they were incredible. They were like five or 600 people here. It was an amazing morning. It was. And, you know, I, I think what uh, I had so many people come up to me afterwards and say what they loved was the interaction that they that they saw between the four of you. Not only the passion and the commitment, obviously, you guys display, but we're at such an inflection point now with with the tenor of discussions between people that that serve our country or serve our city and that have, you know, differences of opinions, civility has really gone out the window. And to see the four of you sit up there and speak and and compliment each other, but also call each other to account on certain things was really refreshing and powerful. And it made a huge impact on the people that were in the audience today. Plus, Tark rapped. So there was that. So this podcast is really meant to be a companion piece to the video. So watch the video because you're going to watch, you're going to see... These four esteemed leaders talk about their passions in fintech and adaptive reuse and sustainability and social justice. Um, and we're going to dive a little deeper into how symmetry and asymmetry is coming to life on our city council. But first, what are we going to do with the four of them? So first up, just because you guys have, you know, you're coming down. You, you guys really, I'm, I'm sure it was a high to talk. Well, you're used to talking to a lot of people. But this was a good morning. There was a lot of energy in the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Braxton, all right, now, now I'm choked up. Oh, oh, I got to keep going. Now, yes. I'm, I'm verklempt. But uh, so to, to kind of ramp you back up again, we're going to do a quiz, all right? This quiz is called a mini quiz. We're going to call it back in the day. So all these questions come out of the newspaper from January the 3rd, 1919, okay? So, so 100 years and a day. 100, 100 years and a day. Here we go. Each of you gets to, you, I'm gonna, we're going to let you work together as a unit to answer this one, okay? So, question number one. The Charlotte News reported on the notable activities of the Henderson family. What were they doing? Were they 
winning the Blue Ribbon at the Charlotte Fair for Best Grits, on vacation in Florida, or robbing a bank together, kids included. I'm going with, I'm, I, I'm going with C, the, 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 the bank. Robbing the bank? I'm going to say they were on vacation in Florida. I feel like it, it maybe has something to do with like the family the Hendersonville might have been named after. Maybe they were prominent, well-to-do people. I, I, I think that's a good one because I have seen some old newspaper reports where they tell like people's social events. Yeah, yeah I, but, I agree with Larkin. I think uh, it's just the family and the, how name comes about. All right, you guys are on it. Your teamwork is paying off. So they, they did. They used the, the newspapers back in the day, used to report on the comings and goings, even on going to Florida. Now, I will say the interesting thing about this report was it talks about the family going down to Daytona, and then the last sentence says, Mr. Henderson returned on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to the that story. Was, that was the TMZ of the day. <laughs> that's right, that's right. A Thursday? Could you imagine traveling on a Thursday? God, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, question two. Here we go. We know how hard it is to get kids to eat. An ad from Valka promised, quote, the children will be happy, the grown-ups will be pleased with what nourishing and wholesome dessert? Was it A, chocolate pudding, B, chicken pot pie, or C, raisin pie? Raisin pie. Definitely raisin pie. <laughs> I'm going with chocolate pudding. I'll go with then chicken pot pie. Oh, there, there, it's a split <laughs> vote. Oh, boy, split vote. Asymmetry. Right. You're on it. Yes. It was raisin pie. And I can tell you, my kids, oh, yeah, they, they'd fire down a raisin pie. I feel, like, I feel like that could be a flavor. You've got your Viva Raw here. I feel like Viva Raw should make a, a Creative Mornings raisin pie edition. Yeah, we'll talk to Scott. I'm sure, it will, I'm sure they'll sell tens of bottles of that. All right, question number three. The news printing house of Charlotte had an ad targeting a new clientele, promising everything done would be in the up-to-the-minute style. So what business sector were they going after? Was it A, auto mechanics, B, ministers and priests, or C, poultry breeders? I'm going to go with poultry breeders. I'll go with ministers. Uh, what was A? A was auto mechanics. Not in 1919. Oh, yes, because the Ford Model T um, factory. I'm going with auto mechanics. I'm like, pastors and ministers never get old. That's true. Everyone needs a spiritual guidance. But in this case, it's Larkin. They were advertising to chicken men that they they could print their promotional materials so that the chicken and the Uh, eggs would fly off the shelves. I come come from a long line of chicken men. Don't say. You don't say. Okay, here we go. J. Arthur Anderson is renting an eight-room house on 10th Avenue. How much a month? A, $60, B, $140, or C, $190? A six, excuse me, an eight-room house on 10th Avenue. I'm going to go with 140 Can you talk? Uh, can you tell me the options again? It is 60 140 or 190 I'll go with 60 I'm going to go with 60 as well. You're right. That eight-room house was $60 a month in 1919 on 10th Avenue. Incredible. I, I think, Larkin, though, you, you're, you're trying to steer people towards home ownership, right? So let's go with that. So let's find somewhere for them to live. The E.C. Griffith Company advertised a bargain six-room house on Worthington Ave, and it had a breakfast room and a large attic. How much did this cost? 6250 bucks, 18750 bucks, or $24,800. Mm. I'm going to go with B. 
18750 is your guess. It's for the home ownership? To buy the home. Six-bedroom six bargain home on Worthington Avenue. Can you tell me the options again? Yep. 6250 18750 or 24800 24800 6000 Braxton, you should be a realtor but back in 1919, because it was the lump sum of 6250 bucks to own a six-bedroom home. Wow. That's Final. the TOD zone, too, so, you know. <laughs> That's a really nuanced municipal joke right there. <laughs> With no transit. <laughs> All right. Final question, guys. In the lost and found section, someone lost a dog named Doki. Doki the doggy? Doki the doggy. His brother okay. was Oki. That's right, that's right. What did T.M. Abbott of American Trust Company lose? A, a satchel full of cash, B, one black leather glove, or C, his wife? Black leather glove. His wife. I'm going with the glove. He did lose one black leather glove and, and advertised for it in the lost and found section. Of the newspaper here. It's a right. very nice glove. Do we know what the resolution of that was? <laughs> um, well, Did you check next week's the paper? Next, it, the next week's paper said if, it, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> that was several papers later. <laughs> um, now, I do have to say that there is the question that didn't make it was there was an ad saying, remember the delicious baked potato you had? How much flavor there was? The advertiser's product, too, is toasted with flavor brought out by cooking. And they were advertising for an oven. Lucky Strike cigarettes, which what? are toasted. also toasted. Toasted, also toasted. <laughs> like your baked potato was. Yeah. Wait, so, so, so they, like they didn't vegetable. come up with that in Mad Men? That's like 1960 to This was, I will show you the ad from the Charlotte News on January Don the Draper's a lie. Yes. Don Draper is a liar. <laughs> but we knew that already. Yeah, was it, what, was his, what was the actual name, his actual name before? John, what? Oh, I don't know. I actually didn't watch Mad Men. Oh, okay. Well, no. Oh, before so. yeah. That's right. I can't remember, but he did have a different name before it was changed to Don Draper. That's right. Mm. I think we've gotten off track. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Welcome so. to City Council. <laughs> <laughs> These are the hard-hitting issues of the day. All right. So we're going to get into uh, a little bit about your experience on the council now. Um, and what I know that... that uh, I think it was Dick want... Whitman, actually, or something like yeah. that. It was that. Oh, I, I heard that in a trivia contest one time. That's right. <laughs> That was going to bug me all day, so I really appreciate you saving it. I just had to say that on a podcast. All right, so we'll go down the line. We're going to start with Larkin on this one. Um, and I know this is a big question, but if you can kind of just give us a, the answer off the top of your head. Why did you choose to stand for election and accept the call to serve on the city council? What motivated you? Because it's, it's not an easy job, and it's, and it's often a thankless job. So what, what got you going on that? I've been in Charlotte now for 15 years. I guess when I decided to run, it had been 13, and I had gotten increasingly more involved in my neighborhood and the community at large uh, and started to really find my passions um, for a number of things. A lot of what we're working on now, transit, historic preservation, uh, affordability, and people's people's ability to be able to live and thrive in the city. And as I started to advocate for those things, it became more and more apparent to me that the place I could have the biggest impact would be at the dais as a member of Charlotte City Council. So, you know, it's one thing to engage with your elected officials, help on their campaigns, advocate for the people you think will best represent your values. Uh, but at some point, there's no substitute for being the person with the vote. And so I, I came to the point where I decided that 
the people in my district wanted something different. They wanted uh, another option, and I thought that I could be that option and could represent uh, that area of Charlotte and Charlotte as a whole uh, in a way that, that would be different and beneficial. So um, I hoped that enough people agreed with me that I'd have that opportunity. Thankfully, they did, and it's been an incredible experience so far. Dimple. Well, for me, it was uh, a, a tragedy in life that led to um, finding a purpose. And in in 2013, I lost my father in a sudden heart attack, and that really uh, shook me to the core and made me made me question what I wanted to do in life. So I I left a very good paying job and career to do this because I found this as my calling. And prior to serving on city council, I had served on housing authority and advocated for affordable housing and supportive services. So this sort of became a natural transition where now instead of advocating for it, you are really creating policies uh, for affordable housing and supportive services. So uh, that was the tipping point where I said, you know, I'm going to run for an office. Braxton. Yeah, well, I, I, something Dimple said is purpose. And I, I really did find my purpose in this city um, in September 2016, to be completely honest. Um, September, if you would have talked to me on September 19th of 2016, I was just thinking about how do how am I going to get out of Charlotte? It, it wasn't home to me. I felt I never felt accepted. I never I felt out of place. Mm -hmm. And um, when when the death of Keith Lamont Scott happened, and I, I was there, I, I I found myself fed up. And then I, I I was surrounded by so many different parts of the community. And I people, if you remember that time, you know we had we had a crazy fe a federal national election season going on. But it was really like we were in a pressure cooker, you know, socially on on so many different kind of um, uh, on so many different angles that that were existing, and it was pushing and pulling on everybody. And when that when that kind of bubble kind of popped here in Charlotte, I saw something that I'd never seen before. That 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 this was the place that that where, where all of those things kind of can convene and converge. We had ex extreme wealth, but extreme poverty. We had uh, we had good police community relations, but we also had terrible police community relations. You know, there was so much promise, but so so I was like, you know. The, the time is now, the time is here to address these things. And I didn't really know immediately that I was, it was, it was going to be an elected office, but I looked at things from, like, that we are a nation of policies and, 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 and laws, and if we want to change these things, that's the way we have to change them. And I wasn't, I was looking to push other people forward, but as I was going to continue, it was, I was, as I was invited to other tables and, it was like, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Um, and, and that's that's why I did it. To, to, if I was calling for change, I had to figure out how to change it myself. I, I can tell you that, um, you know, that night was pretty formative for us as well. I mean, as it was for so many Charlatans. But I was staying um, the night at, uh, at Charlotte. Fa Charlotte Family Housing has... Um, has apartments that they have for families, that are homeless families, just outside of the center city. And I was the host that night. So I'm watching it on TV in the host room, hearing the helicopters and, I mean, looking out the window, I could see uptown. And we had just gotten, you know, Charlotte Center, uh, Creative Mornings was getting going, but we were still kind of young. And we had just gotten the, the money from the Knight Foundation to do the quiz show. And I remember a 
calling Matt and just saying, whatever plans we have, like, they got to change like this because I'm watching things, ro- reports from friends rolling in on, on social media and text going like, this is not Charlotte. And you're like, this is Charlotte. And you got to look at it. Like you can't look away anymore. Like everything has to, you have to look at it with new eyes tomorrow morning when you wake up, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, we yeah. feel a kinship with you on that. I think it was like a wake up call for many of our, uh, for, for our community leaders that, you know, we kept denying it, but, uh, after that, that was a time that, you know, uh, this is something we have to own and do something about it. So so we were exploring the theme of symmetry at uh, this morning's Creative Mornings event. But as we hear that call, that wake-up call, and, and move toward um, cracking the nut on some of these challenges that have been facing our community for so long, we're curious about the value of asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that, if each of you would. What, what, what can asymmetry do for our city, or how can it be a strength for the city as we, as we work on these, these issues? Well, the way I, I talked about it during the program today was that if you looked back to the 1950s and 1960s, you'd have probably seen a city council that was entirely older white affluent males, um, and those are people that certainly have a perspective and and knowledge to bring to the table and and something to offer our city, but there were a lot of voices that weren't at the table, and I think the beauty of the city council we have now is that you have people from all sorts of different backgrounds, uh, religiously, their sexuality, where they come from geographically. There's a lot of perspectives that at times cause us to not all agree Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of agreement when everybody in the room looked the same in the 50s or 60s, but I think through the disagreement that our asymmetry causes, if you will, we end up with better solutions that better represent the needs and the values of our entire community, not just a certain segment of it. Well, and and democracy and representative government demands an asymmetry. You have to come to a symmetry because you have to find common grounds so that you can get the votes to get things done. But you don't do that in a compromising fashion. Right, you, you're supposed to. You're supposed to have your values, and and you bring them to your to to your your leaders, and they're supposed to make the best decisions for the whole. I don't like to call myself a politician. I guess no politician does, right? I like to look at myself as a leader in government. I think you all out there should be the politicians. A politician stamps his his flag in the ground, his or her flag in the ground, and say, this is what I want. This is what I demand. I'm going to surround myself by people who believe the same thing, and I'm going to box everybody else out until I get what I want. That's what you guys are supposed to do to us, and we're supposed to provide the leadership that makes the best decision from all of those different politics, to find policies and, and, and practices that work best to push all of us forward. Mm. And, and I see this as when you come into an office, you come as an activist. But then once you are in the office, you are part of the system now. You are governing. So you can't be an activist while you're in the office because guess what? You're going to have to give and take in order for you to come to a middle ground and get some policy work done. Uh, I think uh, as a body... Uh, because of that collaborative effort, we've been able to accomplish some great things. Uh, I'll give you an example where in 2017, where we had our environment resolution that was failed by six, five to six, and it was passed unanimously. That just shows that we collaborated and how we worked towards the middle ground 
where you are not uh, putting too much resources when it comes to monetary resources, but at the same time preserving and protecting our environment. So I think uh, every solution, every problem has a middle ground that we work towards, and that's what makes great leaders. Braxton, is there something you wanted to say about activism in office? Yeah, I, 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 I disagree that you can't be an activist because one of what I, the way I look at being an activist is you amplify the voices of others. It's a privilege and a responsibility. Um, and, and while we do have to govern, uh, we do have a platform and that, that we, we can speak uh, for the unspoken. And I think that's a, that's a big part of government is, is to make sure that minority views uh, do have uh, the, the, the power of the platform of, 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 of government. So where we can, we, and I, I've, 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 I think we all have uh, continued to be activists in our own right. You know, I, I think you can't be myopic in your viewpoints, but you have to pick and choose where it makes sense. You know, that's what I've tried to use our, our mayor uh, council topic time to do a lot. You know, in the time where we're dealing with policies, we have to deal with policies. But I'm going to use my platform to speak on, on behalf of those that don't that, that can't speak for themselves. And again, like I said, that's a privilege and responsibility that other people have have have, have given me and given us. And, 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 I, and I cherish that. I think this is actually a perfect example of sort of positive asymmetry in action. I mean, Dimple and Braxton may not totally agree on, you know, the role of activism in, in, in office, but what I see from the four city council members who were with us today and, and on the council as a whole is asymmetry that's held in a space of mutual respect, and that, I think, is where really positive dialogue um, and decision-making can, can happen from there. Um, now, with that, we have a, a final question, which... Maybe a somewhat unfair question because there are so many issues, important issues in Charlotte, but what we'd like to ask you in, in closing here is for each of you to weigh in on what do you think is the top issue for you in Charlotte right now? The top issue in Charlotte right now. I mean, we talked this morning and I, I led with the fact that I didn't want anyone to leave Creative Mornings today thinking that anything any of us said was necessarily more important than some of the larger issues that we all agree on. So we, we kind of broke out today into things that we are individually very passionate about. And I talked about historic preservation and adaptive reuse, but um, I'll hammer home something that, that there's pretty much complete agreement on council about, that affordable housing is the cornerstone of this city being able to be a place where everybody can live, work, play, and, and be successful. If someone doesn't have a safe, affordable roof over their head for, for them and their family, it's hard to get anything else right. Uh, it's hard for them to be able to find steady, good-paying employment. It's hard for them to continue their education or, or make sure their children get a good education. That's the cornerstone of, of the hierarchy of needs, and I think if we don't help people afford to live in this city at every income level, then uh, we're going to have trouble getting anything else right. So I agree with Larkin. Uh, for me, I think it's upward mobility. So that includes... Uh, that touches on every issue, from housing to transportation to workforce development to opportunities, equity. Uh, when we look at Charlotte, when we talk about Charlotte, it's uh, 
Charlotte is ranked 50th out of 50 in upward mobility. So if a child is born in poverty, it has only 4% chance of coming out of that poverty. I mean, what a shame. Uh, we got to do better than that. So we have to start investing in our affordable housing, our infrastructure, our uh, safe environment, and our sustainability efforts to ensure that child can get to uh, get, can rise through uh, a poverty level. And I think that's that's something we gotta tackle also while collaborating with our county, with our CMS, with our state, with our federal, um, because it's gonna take all of us to tackle the upward mobility issue. Yeah, and I agree. Um, for me, it is the idea of upward economic mobility, because uh, when it comes down to it, Charlotte is a very affordable city, but it's not affordable for t for enough people that live in Charlotte. It's very affordable for people that are coming to Charlotte. We just got some numbers this week that a thousand people net are moving to Charlotte a week. That's that's much more than the sixty four number that we had at this point in time last year, and that's after four hundred people a week leave. So it's affordable for a lot a lot of people, but for too many people, especially people that have have been born and raised in Charlotte. For them to be able to afford to live here, be able to work, and be able to, to, to play here. You know, upward economic mobility means the ability to, to, to have choice. And not enough Charlatans have choice. Choices to move, but also decisions to stay. You know, we have people that have done all the right things right now, and they have paid off their their, their homes, and 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 they've 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 worked good lives, and they they they've raised families that are being priced out because they can't afford the tax because homes around them, people are coming in and building super homes where there were the, there were these once quaint you know quaint homes. So you have somebody who's living on a fixed income that all of a sudden their thousand dollar tax bill. It is 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 rising to four hundred four four thousand dollars a year, and and that puts puts people in 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 really difficult situations and puts systems of government in really um, difficult positions to provide services for those folks. I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, one thing that you're gonna I think see become a preoccupation for Charlotte as creative is um, we we are very focused on the people moving to Charlotte and. What story do we tell them when we get here? Do we tell them, do we tell them the the very um, uh, one-sided story? Uh, you know, I think you you and Mr. McCall uh, Braxton did a great talk for the library, and you know Charlotte likes to say it's a great place to raise a family, and y'all asked, is it a great place for everyone to raise a family? And that question's not asked enough. And Matt and I see um, we want to we want to tell people a more complete story about Charlotte when they move here. Um, and I think we also want to get them to understand that there's three, there are a lot of different economies. It's not just the financial economy here. There's the creative economy, there's and creative capital and social capital. And if, you know, I think a lot of times people think if I can't make a donation or I can't do this, I can't swing, I can't help people. And there's so much that, that we can do if we get to if we get to know one another and actually know our neighbors, look them in the eye and realize that they're people and, and need, need, we need to work together. I'm, I'm going to put a, a plug in for the creative community and the cultural institutions. I do work at the Levine museum of the new South. Um, 
and you know we we want people to continue to move here for the opportunities but people are going to stay here for the culture mm-hmm. and and we really need to take a tough look at it it came up into the conversation around music and stuff but this is a larger conversation our cultural institutions are in crisis right now how they they're they're being affected by the affordable housing or real estate market uh, we have to look uh, to to find more ways uh, to support our cultural institutions and really claim what is ours and and what's going to solidify us as a destination uh, for everybody in this world to come to. And we can do that, but we have to think creatively. Well, obviously, we think that that the creative community is a huge part of the future of Charlotte. And and Dimple, you're in the family now, so we expect to, we hope to see you again. But it, it has been... For Matt and for me, a real pleasure and an honor to to see Larkin, you and Braxton, you, uh, you know, you were in our audience early with Creative Mornings, and we put out the call, you know, that that Charlotte's a creative city, and that creative problem solving and putting your passions and your abilities to use is part of being a citizen. And you guys answered the call like none other, and it's it's just been fantastic to see what you've done. I think it was probably the Creative Mornings bump that put Braxton and I over the top to get get elected. So we give all the credit to you guys. I don't know. How much money did you catch in the uh, the cash booth? Because that could have actually financially put you over the top. Now that I'm in elected office, we should be very specific about what you're talking about. Yes, yes. Go ahead and answer that. Go ahead and tell Because that sounds like illegal campaign finance. (laughs) But what he's talking about is three years ago at a Creative Mornings, he pulled a, a curtain off of a giant glass box that blows money around and you stand in and try to grab it. And the look on my face must have immediately told Matt, who I had just started getting to know, that my lifelong dream had been to be in one of those from the days of the book sales back in elementary school where, like, the top book-selling child, which was never me, got to get in a cash box or whatever they're called. And uh, You looked like Charlie, who had just crossed the threshold of the chocolate factory. <laughs> so Matt, always the kind soul, uh, took that look of, of joy and invited me up. And uh, I did very, very poorly. And so, <laughs> my like all my dreams had been uh, met there, and 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 then crashed down <laughs> just in a moment. Well, I, listen, we have plenty of tape, videotape, and still photography that prove that you this were. This was all well had, before I was yes, running for you office. You hadn't even of, announced your candidacy yes, at the time, and, and I didn't it's get all, enough money to even be considered. It's as all timestamps. That's right. Anyway. That's right. Um, we're grateful to each of you um, for being with us this morning. Um, for valuing the creative community and seeing the value that the creative community uh, plays here in Charlotte. And just thanks for your service, you know. So, um, yeah, check out the video uh, to see council members Ajmira, Bakari, Eggleston, and Winston on their talk around the theme of symmetry. And uh, we hope to see you all at the next Creative Mornings event. We hope to see you you at city council meetings. (laughs) Monday nights, every Monday night, except for the fifth. Fifth Monday. Well done. Well done on your public forum speech, by the way. Yeah, are we? Are we welcome back in? Jail? You're welcome back anytime. I don't know. The typhoid fever remark, I think, got, got Mayor Lyles. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Larkin Eggleston, Dimple Ajmera, and Braxton Winston for speaking with us, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Creative Morning Charlotte podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CM underscore CLT. And hey, when you're done listening to this episode, give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform. It helps us get discovered by other creative Charlotteans. Don't forget to register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday, March 8th at 8.30 a.m. at Noda Brewing Company. 
The featured speaker will be local artist Jessica Moss and her father speaking about the global theme of water. RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, March 4th. The Creative Morning Charlotte podcast is hosted by Tim Miner and Matt Olin and produced by Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>